1 Samuel 15. Samuel said to Saul, Yahweh sent me to anoint you to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore, listen to the voice of Yahweh's words. Yahweh of armies says, I remember what Amalek did to Israel, how he set himself against him on the way when he came up out of Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and don't spare them but kill both man and woman, infant and nursing baby, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. Saul summoned the people and counted them in Telaim, 200,000 footmen and 10,000 men of Judah. Saul came to the city of Amalek and set an ambush in the valley. Saul said to the Kenites, Go, depart, go down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. Saul struck the Amalekites from Havilah as you go to Shur, which is before Egypt. He took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive, and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, of the cattle, of the fat calves, of the lambs, and all that was good, and were not willing to utterly destroy them, but everything that was vile and refuse, that they destroyed utterly. Then Yahweh's word came to Samuel, saying, It grieves me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he has turned back from following me, and has not performed my commandments. Samuel was angry, and he cried to Yahweh all night. Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, and Samuel was told, saying, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set up a monument for himself, turned, passed on, and went down to Gilgal. Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, You are blessed by Yahweh. I have performed the commandment of Yahweh. Samuel said, Then what does this bleating of sheep in my ears and the lowing of cattle which I hear mean? Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the cattle to sacrifice to Yahweh your God. We have utterly destroyed the rest. Then Samuel said to Saul, Stay and I will tell you what Yahweh said to me last night. He said to him, Say on. Samuel said, Though you were little in your own sight, weren't you made the head of the tribes of Israel? Yahweh appointed you king over Israel. And Yahweh sent you on a journey and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then didn't you obey Yahweh's voice, but took the plunder and did that which was evil in Yahweh's sight? Saul said to Samuel, But I have obeyed Yahweh's voice, and I have gone the way which Yahweh sent me, and I have brought Agag the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the plunder sheep and cattle the best of the devoted things, to sacrifice to Yahweh your God in Gilgal. Samuel said, Has Yahweh as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying Yahweh's voice? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as idolatry and teraphim. Because you have rejected Yahweh's words, he has also rejected you from being king. Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of Yahweh and your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now therefore, please pardon my sin and turn again with me that I may worship Yahweh. 
Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected Yahweh's word, and Yahweh has rejected you from being king over Israel. As Samuel turned around to go away, Saul grabbed the skirt of his robe and it tore. Samuel said to him, Yahweh has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. Also, the strength of Israel will not lie nor repent, for he is not a man that he should repent. Then he said, I have sinned. Please honor me now before the elders of my people and before Israel and come back with me that I may worship Yahweh your God. So Samuel went back with Saul and Saul worshiped Yahweh. Then Samuel said, Bring Agag, the king of the Amalekites, here to me. Agag came to him cheerfully. Agag said, Surely the bitterness of death is past. Samuel said, As your sword has made women childless, so your mother will be childless among women. Then Samuel cut Agag in pieces before Yahweh in Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Ramah, and Saul went up to his house in Gibeah of Saul, Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death, but Samuel mourned for Saul. Yahweh grieved that he had made Saul the king over Israel. So this is the story of Saul's second terrible disobedience. The first one was when he didn't wait for Samuel to come and he started to offer the sacrifices himself, which he was not supposed to do. Now you would think that if you'd made a terrible mistake like that first one, and you'd heard the words that Samuel had said to you at that time, Samuel had said to him that God was going to raise up someone with a heart after God, you'd think that you would go to the Lord in repentance, and you'd be crying out to have a heart after God. But he doesn't seem to have done that, and he seems to just be making the same mistakes over and over again. So if you're a Christian, and you're in church, and you've made mistakes like Saul has, where you've been disobedient, or you haven't cared about what God wants, or you just do your own thing, what you need to do is go to the Lord and cry out to have a heart after him. But Saul didn't do that. And a lot of Christians, well, I don't know, I don't know whether it's a lot, but there's certainly enough of them where they only follow the Lord because it provides benefits to their own life. The obvious benefit is eternal life, salvation, but a lot of people are following God because he answers prayer, he gives them promises. They perceive that life is better because they're following God. Thomas Kempis, the famous you know, monk uh, who wrote the book, The Imitation of Christ, he said that people like this are spiritual mercenaries. You know, They're fighting in an army for the benefits they're going to get. People who serve God spiritually so that they can get benefit for themselves but very few people serve God and love him because they just want to serve him. They love his ways. So David is someone like that. Saul was not someone like that. So the Amalekites, God says to utterly destroy them. Now the Amalekites, they were a nation that lived down in the desert in the low part. And when Israel came out of Egypt, you know, Pharaoh had attacked them at the Red Sea. They went through the Red Sea. Pharaoh was defeated. But the very next thing is the Amalekites attacked Israel. The Amalekites kind of have an alliance with Egypt, and they, uh, they, you know, they're helping Egypt out basically, and that's where Moses is in the desert, and Joshua and Hur are holding up his hands, and whatever his hands are up, they're winning the battle. That's that story. So the Amalekites attack unprovoked in the desert. The Israelites win, but all along, 
all the way through the Bible, there's this theme of the Amalekites attacking Israel. And the Amalekites, uh, it's, there's a spirit of death or something involved in that. It's almost like Satan himself who hates the people of God and wants to destroy them. And here in this chapter, Saul is now given a command to completely destroy the Amalekites off the land. Some people struggle with these passages because they seem so cruel, and they do. They do seem cruel. Someone has called this the Amalekite genocide, and it makes it sound like um, you know, Saul and, and God and all these people are so cruel and so heartless, and, um, but context is always the key. Context is understanding everything the Bible has to say and understanding the reasons why these things were said. And part of it is understanding how evil the Amalekites actually were. And um, once we know how evil something is, instead of sympathizing with it, we actually demand justice ourselves. So with Hitler, for example, we know how evil Hitler was. We, no one demanded mercy for Hitler. Everyone demanded justice. And in the case of the Amalekites, um, what was needed was justice, and the Lord was wanting to have a situation sorted out. But Saul disobeyed, and he didn't sort it out properly. A long, long time later in the Bible, we've got the book of Esther. This is in the Persian Empire period. And Esther, in the story, you know, she's uh, one of the main characters. She, she may be the protagonist. I'd say she's the protagonist. She's got her uncle Mordecai helping her. Those two people are kind of the good, the good characters, but there's this evil character, the antagonist, called Haman the Agagite. Now, does that sound familiar? <laughs> Here in this um, chapter that we just read, it was Agag, the king of the Amalekites, and in the book of Esther, the antagonist is Haman the Agagite. He's actually descended from Agag. And uh, even though Saul claims that he completely destroyed the Amalekites except for the animals, he actually doesn't. He does not do a proper job. And later on in, the, in Samuel, even King David is still fighting against the Amalekites. We know they're still there. Saul does not do this job properly at all. If he had of, the book of Esther wouldn't exist in the Bible. But he doesn't, and one of the descendants of Amalek comes back to try to, instead, completely destroy the Jews. So sometimes we, we see a story like that and we realize that the wisdom of God, in obeying God exactly, and sometimes we never ever know what the future is, but we trust the Lord because he knows what the future is. So after Saul fails in this chapter, Samuel comes and points out his faults. He says, I have sinned. In fact, he says it twice in this chapter. He says, I have sinned. I did a Google search. There's only seven places in the Bible, sorry, not seven places, seven people in the Bible in about nine places who've said the phrase, I have sinned. And it's a very, very interesting list of people. Here they are. First one is Pharaoh in Exodus 9 and 10 when talking to Moses. He said, I have sinned, but he was, he was, was not repentant at all. Balaam says, I have sinned. <laughs> he was not repentant at all either. Saul here says, I have sinned, he certainly seems sorry, but he never changed his ways. David, in 2 Samuel, talking to Nathan, says, I have sinned. Now, that was a genuine repentance right there. And uh, he was a man after God's own heart. It was a genuine sin, but a genuine repentance. Shimei, in 2 Samuel 19, was someone that threw mud and rocks and dung on King David. And later on, when he realized that David was going to come back and be king again, 
he said to David, I have sinned, but his wasn't a genuine repentance either. In the New Testament, Matthew 27, Judas says, I have sinned. But Judas doesn't even repent. He just goes and kills himself. And the last one is the prodigal son in the story, Luke chapter 15. It's not a true story. It's a parable. But in that, the prodigal son comes home to the father and says, I have sinned against heaven and against earth, against you. And I'm not worthy to be called your son. In all these people that have said, I have sinned, there's only two where the repentance was genuine, and that's the prodigal son and King David. And all the others, sadly, they're not genuine. There's not real repentance. And it just causes us to think about our own repentances. When we have done something wrong before the Lord, do we say, I have sinned because we don't like the consequences? Or do we say, I have sinned because we're genuinely sorry and we want to get things right with the Lord? It's a good question to consider. Heavenly Father, I ask you to help us to be people who walk with the Lord. Help us to be people who repent with a genuine heart to serve Christ, to do what pleases the Lord. Help us not to be like these other role models, like Saul, who, who was just, he only cared about the consequences. Heavenly Father, help us not to be people who only care about what's good for us, but help us to be people who care about Christ and his ways. Lord, impart to us this grace, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.